Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, last week we began a new series called Divine Detour. Divine Detour. And in this series, we are looking at the Hebrew Exodus out of Egypt to the Promised Land and how that correlates with our lives. A detour is a way of getting to a place that is indirect or longer than the usual way and is taken in order to avoid a particular problem or to do something special. God did not send Israel on a direct path to the promised land, even though there was a trade route that, that would have been much faster. He sent them on a detour. And sometimes God wants to develop us through our detours. And last week we figured out that God's way is not our way. The way God gets us there is not always the way that we would choose. God's way is not our way. Some of you have heard me mention the app that I use called Waze. Uh, I believe Pastor Andrew is actually the one that introduced me to this app, Waze, W-A-Z-E. And Waze is the world's largest community-based traffic and navigation app. And, and using this app, you join with other drivers who are traveling in the same area that you are, traveling the same roads that you are, and together you share your real-time traffic and road information with each other. And the premise behind this app is to outsmart traffic together. That's what we do. And it's amazing. And, and thousands of people use this. And, and the app has, at least to me, it has proven to be um, scary accurate. It, it's crazy. Uh, it alerts you to upcoming road hazards. Uh, it, it will tell you of traffic delays and traffic jams. It will let you know, and, and, and it's all user-based, so they're letting you know. Someone ahead of you is letting you know that the police are up ahead. The popo is up ahead, and, and you need to be watching out for them. It will let you know about accidents. It will tell you about red light cameras. It will let you know that, that, I don't know how this is legal, but it is. And, and it will tell you about vehicles on the shoulder of the road. It, 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 you'll hear the app say, you know, one mile ahead, vehicle on the shoulder of the road. And, and it's scary because you get a mile ahead, and there it is. There's a vehicle. I, I, I think one time it even told me that there was roadkill on the road. I'm serious. I think it told me there was roadkill on the road. And guess what? Doggone right there in the road. And as accurate as it is, why do I sometimes feel the need not to listen to my app, not to listen to ways when, when it's telling me to take a detour? Because this app is very accurate. Probably like 99.9% .9 of the time, it's right. Why do I feel the need to go in a different direction that I think is better when I should follow ways, especially when I'm driving through Atlanta? When, when Kendall's up at school and Mandy and I are, are hitting the interstate, we use ways because I need to learn to listen to this. And I don't think, and I'm by myself, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God and, and God's children because God is constantly sending our lives on detours and we can try and avoid them if we like, but 
if we do, all we do is get stuck in traffic like everyone else. Life just comes to a standstill if we're not careful. And God, His direction is right 100% of the time. Wherever God is sending you, whatever detour He's putting you on, it is right 100% of the time. And, and trust me, you will get to your destination that God has in store for your life faster. And, 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 and certainly, uh, it will be a better route for you and for your family if you learn to follow God. When will we learn to follow God no matter how much it doesn't make sense? Even when it feels like wasted time, when will we learn to follow God? We need to understand that God's timing is not our timing. Last week was God's way is not our way. Today it's God's timing is not our timing. God is not even concerned with time and, and that blows our minds. God is not even concerned with time because God is not bound by time. We are bound by time, or at least we think we are bound by time. In this natural state, and we are bound by time, but God is not concerned with time at, at all. It is of no concern to Him, and we feel stressed by deadlines. We feel stressed by our schedules, but God is not stressed by any of that because God is not bound by time. Proverbs 16 and 9 tells us, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can plan all we want to, but as children of God, God determines our steps. I do, however, feel that it's dangerous for us to teach the promises of God without teaching the timing of God. And too many times, and I've probably been guilty of it myself, preachers get up and they, they, they declare the promises of God over your life and they fail to mention the timing of God. And it's dangerous for us to do that because doing so creates frustration. When you know the promise, but you don't know exactly when the promise is going to come about, it becomes very frustrating if you're not careful. Parents of small children know exactly what I'm talking about. If you promise a child a month in advance that they're going to go to Disney at the end of the month, they will drive you insane for the next 30 days. You will lose all desire to take that child to Disney. It was a reward for them at, at one moment. And you can try and explain it all you want to. Try and explain it. Try and let them know, listen, mommy and daddy need to save over the next 30 days because Disney is expensive, you know. And so we're going to save over the next 30 days and we're going to have a better time if we wait and go then rather than go now. You can explain to them. You can explain to a child, listen, daddy had to put in to take off from work. Daddy had to go to his boss and say, I want to take a vacation. Mommy had to tell her boss, I want to take a vacation. I had to make sure all of my clients knew that I am going to be out of town on this. But a child doesn't understand any of that. That makes sense to us as adults, but to a child, it means nothing at all. The knowledge of that promise will frustrate them when they don't understand the timing of that promise. And we've got to be careful not to allow the promises of God to overshadow the timing of God. Some of you must be in waiting right now. You're quiet. And you've got to be careful not to let... The promises of God overshadow the timing of God. What God wants to do in us through the journey can be greater than the destination itself. The process 
that God wants to take us through might be greater than the promise, and we don't ever see it that way. God has never been rushed. He's not going to start tomorrow. God's timing is always perfect. We used to sing this song when I was a teenager and growing up in church. He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. And he is. He's an on-time God. His timing is perfect. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. And as you're turning there, let me just kind of catch you up to where we're at here in the, in the Exodus. It's about a year into the Exodus. They've gone through some trials and some hardships, but God has provided. God has come through for them. And now they are standing on the threshold of the promised land. They are ready to enter the promised land. Let me remind you, this is the land that God has promised them. God is going to go into that land with them. God is going to fight them. He has never left them at all. This entire journey, God has been with them. A cloud by day, a fire by night, God has, and his presence have, has been with them the entire time. And now they're standing on the threshold of the promised land. And, and Moses sends in 12 spies to go check things out. You know, before we enter into this land, let's see what we're getting ourselves into. And, and you know the story. 40 days later, they come back and... Ten of the spies say, we can't do this. They are greater than we are. The inhabitants of that land, they will, they will demolish us. But yet they're carrying some clusters of grapes, and they're saying, this land does flow with milk and honey. It's a great land, but, but the inhabitants are too great. It's, it's, it's too vast for us. We're not going to be able to, to do this at all. And, and, and Joshua and Caleb, two of the young spies, they said, we can do this, but the crowd, the, the, the people, they decide with the 10. We cannot do this. And, and we pick it up there. And God's a little upset because God has already promised them, I will fight this battle for you. And so we pick it up at Numbers chapter 14. Let's start reading at verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. And of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones... Who you said would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you, you spied out the land, forty days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years and you shall know my displeasure i the lord have i the lord have spoken surely this i will do to all the wicked congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness they shall come to a full end and there they shall die the israelites just turned an 11 day journey into a 40 year wandering simply because they did not trust god and it makes me wonder how many times have we created our own detours in life simply because we didn't trust God? 
God said, I'm going to fight this battle for you. I'm going to prepare the way. I'm, I'm going to help you win this battle. I'm going to make sure my promise comes to pass. But simply because we don't trust God, we create our own detours. This 40-year detour affected the entire nation of Israel, not just the adults. You see, that seems fair to us. If the adults made a decision not to go in, and this was God's promise for them, then, then sure, punish the adults. Send them out into the wilderness to die. But, but this affected everybody in the nation of Israel. All of the Hebrews were affected. Even the children had to wait 40 years on their promise. And, and look at verse 33, because verse 33 should haunt us. This, this should affect us deeply. He said, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithlessness. I've heard that word faithfulness many times, but you don't hear the word faithlessness very often. And God says, because of your faith, faithlessness, this is going to affect everybody, not just the adults. Everybody in the nation of Israel will be affected by this. And it makes me wonder, parents, how many times our children have to end up fighting battles that, that we created, that they had no part in, in making the decision to create these problems, but yet they inherit these problems from us because of our lack of trust and lack of faith in God. I didn't expect one amen there. It's okay. There's nothing that's more frustrating than feeling that your detour is caused by something that you didn't do. If someone has ever wronged you in a way, if there's been consequences against your life that you didn't ask for, it's frustrating when you realize that you're paying for something that you didn't even have a hand in. Can you imagine how this younger generation felt wandering in the wilderness when it wasn't even their fault? What was God thinking? How could God put them on a detour that's going to affect their lives for 40 years? Didn't he realize that time was running out? And besides that, some of them, they're in the prime of their life. They are young, they are healthy, they, they are strong. Now's the time to go into that land. But, 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 but God said the timing is not right now. There's something that has to be accomplished before I can send you into that land. Why wouldn't he let them enter? Why wouldn't he let them go in and enjoy it now? While we were in the Middle East, we were on what they call Israel daylight time. It's kind of the, the equivalent to our daylight savings time. Matter of fact, it's very close. The weeks are just a few weeks off with the time change there. And at other times, they are on what they call Israel standard time. And Israel is seven hours ahead of Eastern standard time. So if it's noon here, that means it's already 7 p.m. there. Same day, they're just seven hours ahead of us. And so that took some getting used to for us. I mean, obviously, our, our, our internal clocks were a little off for a few days, and it takes you a little while to adjust to that. Um, I tried to be smart, and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my allergy pill at the same time that I would take it at home. I'm not going to change anything. The problem is my allergy pill keeps me awake, and I didn't know that until I got to Israel. That's why I take it every morning. You take it late, at, you know, in the evening when, 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 you know, the same time I would be taking it when I was at home and I couldn't sleep. I laid there in Israel for the first three or four nights just wide awake. Mandy's sitting over there snoring and I'm just wide awake. 
took some getting used to for us, especially when it came to communicating with our friends and family back home. When you're seven hours difference, it, it takes some getting used to. And, and we were, when, when we were waking up in Israel, you were just falling into that deep sleep. You've probably been asleep for about an hour or so, and you're just falling into that deep sleep here in Florida. God does not operate on Eastern Standard Time, Central Standard Time, Mountain Standard Time, or Pacific Standard Time. God does not operate that way. And I know that this troubles some of you because you think that the world revolves around the United States of America. But know that the Lord does not operate on Eastern Standard Time. God operates on Eternal Standard Time. And we don't get it. The Bible says he is from everlasting to everlasting. That means as far as you can go that way and keep going, he's been. And as far as you can go that way and keep going, he will be. God lasts from everlasting to everlasting. It is eternal. And God is not limited by days, by weeks, by months, or even years. Listen to Genesis 1, 3, and 5, and maybe it'll make some sense in your mind. It, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. There had never been a day until that moment. He created Days. He created weeks. He created months. God created years. And the Creator will never be held subordinate to His creation, ever. And so, if time is what you're concerned with, understand God has no sense of time at all because He's not affected by that. And the next time that you think that God is taking his time, just understand this, church. It's okay because it's his. He created it, and he can take all the time that he wants to. We get frustrated, don't we? God, why are you taking your time? You know there's some things I want to accomplish in my life. And, and God, you, you've given me promises for my life. And time is running out. And God wants us to realize time is not running out. Not with him. It's not running out. And you've been waiting on that promise for years, decades even maybe. L listen to Psalm 90 and 4. He says, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You get to the New Testament in 2 Peter 3 and 8 says, but, not, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God is not concerned with time. He's not bound by it. And he's certainly not losing any sleep over it at all. And, and, and we try our best to get God to sync up to our time. And we'll say things like, hey, God, you know, I want to be married by 25. Now, if you could just make that happen, God, that would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? So we try to get God, God, get your watch out, sync it with mine. Would you get your planner out, God? Before I'm 25 now, I want this to happen. Or, or hey, God, before I'm 35 years old, I'd like to have 2.5 kids and a mortgage. I want that for my life, God. Could, could you just maybe do one of those little, you know, 
those little blessings of be fruitful and multiply over my life and, and we'll be good, God. That'll be okay. We're trying to get God to sync up with where we are at. Or, or God, you know how much time, the years I've put into this company. I deserve this promotion and God, it's perfectly fine with me if, if so-and-so that's ahead of me for this promotion, if you'll just let them fall off the corporate ladder and break their neck while I pass them on the way up, God, that would be great. Can you accomplish that? And we're so worried because we're getting closer to retirement with every, with every year. And we're just like, God, time is running out. And God is saying, what is this time that you're speaking of? Don't you know that I make time? I am not bound by time. And instead of getting God to sync up with our watches and our calendars, we must learn to sync up to his. It is eternal. And his time requires faith. It demands that we completely put our trust into him. His time allows him to do a work in us, and he will not be rushed with that. For the children of Israel, the entire generation of, of, of doubt had to die off before they could enter into their promised land. And that has nothing to do with age. I think when we read these verses, we're automatically just thinking the older generation has to die off. What you don't understand is what has been instilled into the younger generation. They were raised by parents that had doubt and they did not trust God. And so a generation of doubt even has to be, to be killed off in that younger generation they had to shed that doubt that had been poured into them. And it took a 40-year detour for God to purge them of that doubt. And while we are waiting on God, God is working on us. You've got to start seeing it like that. While I'm waiting on God to give me that answer, while I'm waiting on God to, to, to show me that promise, while I'm waiting on God, God is working on me. And that's never been more real in my life than it is right now. And over the past two years, on September 18th, 2016, my mind was filled with so many hopes and dreams and expectations. A 10-year anniversary service just felt right. We were all under a big tent out on the property. We put the shovels in the ground. We broke ground. After a decade of destiny, it was time to build. We had raised our goal of $500,000. We were ready to move forward. And I remember it was an amazing day, a day that I'll never forget. And I'll never forget that moment when after we broke ground, my wife grabbed me and hugged me. She didn't have to say a word because we both knew that the wait was over. We were about to move out to that promised land. Construction would begin, and fairly quickly, they did begin the site prep, and, and, and it felt like we would be in that building at least by the end of, of 2017 at the, at the latest. Little did I know that God was arranging a detour. 20 month, 21 months later, up until this past Wednesday night, it felt like we were out there just wandering in the wilderness. I would see glimpses of hope and then I would, I would see some disappointment. 
And it just felt like we were just wandering in the wilderness. And, and now, after Wednesday night, now it feels like we're standing on the edge of the Jordan. We're looking into the promised land. We can see it, but we just can't step into it late. And, and, and I can't tell you how many times I've wondered, God, did you lose track of time? God, did you lose track of time? You, you, you orchestrated this whole thing. God, you brought in the funds. God, you birthed this church and it felt right on a 10-year on anniversary. There's not a better time to break ground. God, you, you did this. Did you lose track of time after that? Did you go on vacation? What happened, God? And of course he didn't. We know that. Because God is not bound by time. We get worried because every calendar year that comes by, we know that there's more and more Sundays that we have to set up and tear down as a church. We get worried because we know that there's people on the outside that will never step foot into a middle school. And they need to hear the gospel. But this is not the church setting that they want to be in. And we know that. And so, God, what's happening? Why are you wasting time? And he says, I made it. I can waste it if I want to. I'm not bound by time. And while we are worrying and wondering, we've got to realize God is working on us. Because I can tell you this, 21 months ago, we weren't ready. We thought we were. But we weren't ready. I'll go as far as to say this. They, they, they will start out there in the next month or month and a half probably. Until they hand us the keys to that building and they say it's yours, move in. We are not ready. And God is still working on us as a church. Romans 8 and 28 tells us, and we know that for those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called or who are called according to his purpose. We know that. All things, all things, every delay, every detour, every roadblock, every roadkill, it all works together for our good. And when I when I think that way, when, when I put my trust in God like that, my entire mindset changes. And I have to believe that I become a little bit more of what he wants me to be when I trust him that way. And so whatever it is in your personal life that, that's got you on a detour right now, don't despise these moments. God will always use the detours of life to bring out and to mature what he wants in the Christian's life. I will be a better Christian, Christ follower, after this construction process is over. Because I've lost my salvation five times already in this process. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Um, you're going to be better. I promise you. Allow God to work while you wait. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.